You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 417th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Matt, the little guy in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is Spencer in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Little guy, you are sitting in Tim's chair this evening, I noticed, um, here in the green room. Little strange. It looks a little high for you. It's a little high, and he's been talking, uh, peek behind the curtain, folks, every week in the green room for like three months tim's been talking about buying a new chair a physical uh-huh. actual new chair and i don't know if he's done it yet uh so this chair is not that comfortable tim you're right you do need to get a new chair just do it already <laughs> stop talking about it just get the chair <laughs> it's a it's a pretty big investment you know you don't want to get that one wrong you don't want to get it wrong i mean it's a it's a, it's a life-changing decision um mm-hmm. uh, it's a commitment uh I, mm-hmm. I, yeah no, it's hard. It's hard to do. But it, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But here I am. Tim is gone this week off yeah. doing Tim things. He's, uh, he's traveling for that's business. What, that's what I'm he not says. using I'm not heavily using air quotes there. I'm not sure what he's doing. No, he probably <laughs> is traveling for business. He's always traveling uh-huh. for business. But he's off this week. It's 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 interesting that he uh or that we um start with the comfort zones of chairs uh on this podcast because on the social media sites today, uh, the one um, Elmo owns uh, that he bought recently, mm. um, I saw a photo floating around of a, I don't know if it's new. I assume it's new. Um, it's a, an image of a 3T uh, bicycle. You know, they're, they're mm. single ring kind of road adventure setup. You've seen this, I'm yeah. sure. I've seen it with the drop stay, like the weird drop chain stay. They still have that. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the one. Um so there's an image floating around uh, uh, of this bike, and um, it's divided in half. Like the, it's a, a, a drawing of it. And it's divided like in half, and one half is labeled comfort zone, and one half is labeled speed zone. Okay, well, it's like one part. I really feel narrow like, and one part's made out of. Well, felt. I don't know. It's just kind of a rendering. Um, okay. But I'm thinking this uh, this is pretty applicable to chairs as well, um, yes. because you know you don't want to you don't want to screw up the balance, right? And that's probably why Tim is hesitating so much on this purchase. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many options. Uh, you know, do you go middle tier? Do you go high end? Whatever. Little guy, if you were going to divide a bike into the comfort zone and the speed zone, yeah, which which direction? horizontally, vertically, diagonally? Which way are you slicing this bike? Because I want to see if your assessment aligns with three T's assessment of, of which direction to divide the bike and also which side of, or which half uh. would be the comfort and which half would be the speed. Cause I've heard a lot about lateral stiffness and things yeah. like that. Vertical That's neither compliance. of these things. Yeah. I would like to have vertical compliance. <laughs> Straight down the middle, left half, right half, you know? No, like. I think I will, I think I will, make the comfort zone the seat tube and back i guess because you want you want you want some cut you want it's like how cervello Uh had the uh they had those really small seat stays really teeny and it was yeah yeah yeah. like it would flex a little bit then Mm. teardrop teardrop uh head tube or something you know so one of those Mm -hmm. uh uh, i've also on on this is like the homer car now because i'm just going going crazy so in the back uh everything's super squish uh it's a soft tail and in the front uh-huh. it's got one of those forks with with like the those blade forks that like oval made or whatever uh okay 15 years ago sure were supposed that's to be a throwback yeah because they let the air through <laughs> yeah uh-huh um so that's that's how i'm doing my zone is that how is that correct did i do it correctly so you're saying comfort in the back speed in the front yes and yes. you're dividing it vertically Yes, okay. yes. Okay. Yes. 
Okay, you may have a career in Italian uh, bicycle design in your yes, future. I can tell. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you nailed it. Um, I think if if I were given this task, I would have chose horizontal division and the bottom would have been the speed zone because that's where all the power is. Mm. And the top would have been the comfort zone because I want my, you know, sit bones and your wrists and everything to be nice and comfy. But I, I am not Italian. I don't know what I'm doing. So I guess... Uh, you know, mm. you've got the knack. Well, it feels like if 3T is is talking about speed zones and comfort zones, they should. Do they have their bars and and seat posts represented in this drawing? Because they make bars mm-hmm. which can be both speedy and comfy or painful. <laughs> and uh-huh. and and I've I've definitely heard through the years, not as much anymore. Now that ninety nine percent of seat posts are made out of carbon, but at the point when you you would still see uh, big manufactured aluminum, you know, like on road bikes and carbon seat posts. I feel like there was always uh-huh. sort of a claim that that extra $200 to save three grams was oh, also yeah. for comfort with that carbon seat. Like that carbon post would offer a smooth ride and it was mm-hmm. worth the extra couple hundred dollars, even though for all effective purposes, it was the same. It had the same clamp on top. Um mm-hmm. It just, it was going to be so smooth on those 23s pumped up to 120 pounds of pressure, which had nothing to uh-huh. do with it. All you uh-huh. needed was this $300 3T seat post uh-huh. and you would suddenly be comfortable. Well, 300 to be fair, was the entry level one. No, they that also was, had and it, that did not have as much vertical compliance yeah. or lateral yeah. stif- stiffness. Are you telling me that this these comfortable carbon seat posts, this was snake oil all along? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I'm not at liberty to say, but it's all about the, um, it's all about the weave, you know, it's how they're, uh, specialty, um, fibers, mm-hmm. uh, that are, yeah, vertically compliant or stiff, yeah. whichever one, whichever um, but they can make a nice image about it for the marketing, which is great. Yeah. And they look good in the photos. So I'll buy it. I'm mean, sign me up. Is it lighter? Yes. Sign me up. That's just barely. It's pretty simple math, little guy. Well, uh, one thing I wonder this is slightly off topic. Oh, topic. Uh, What happened to white carbon? Remember white carbon? There was a brief moment where white carbon was was like you had to have one white carbon, you know, get that one token token the brand. You get the white token thing on your bike and and it was like the one bling bit. There was. Oh yeah, that was a that was a beautiful time. I I, I never had any white carbon. I had a, a lot of the white uh, Richie WCS components though, on my bikes over the years because uh, ooh that stuff looked good. Yeah. But there was one year, and I don't know if anyone listening to this podcast remembers it because I don't think I've ever seen this in real life. But I know that they offered it. I think in twenty twelve, eleven, somewhere around there. But Shram. Apex was available in white. Ooh, I've never seen that. Yeah. Yeah, Collectors pretty interesting. Yeah, I was pushing to get that spec on the uh, one of the Ridley cross bikes at the time, and uh, they didn't go for it, and that's fine, because it probably would not have been a good idea. <laughs> um, but it sounds like maybe nobody went for it. Uh, yeah, it does sound like <laughs> Probably I've never seen didn't that. make it past the conceptual stage. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like white carbon is... All but disappeared. It's like uh, white rhinos. Those are endangered, right? Probably. It's a rhino. Yes. It's probably endangered. I think all, I think all the rhinos are, are yeah. 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 All right. Well, we've talked about carbon for a while. <laughs> we Yeah. Well, weirdly, um, we have, but uh, we can get to some, some actual cycling news. Uh, we got a bombshell earlier this week. I'm sure... Well, I'm not sure. I assume you saw it. Uh, the Tour de France um, made an announcement. Uh, I don't know if you know if you've heard of this um, uh, alternate event. It's not the Tour de France, but another event um, called the Olympics. I've heard of it. I hear. Yeah, but I I feel like I've uh, I I don't know. I don't know when it's scheduled. It's very confusing, but. <laughs> Well, it's it's a 2024, and it's uh, happening in and around Paris. Um, Excellent. 
which is a problem for the Tour de France because they are also happening in and around Paris, uh, or traditionally they do on that 21st stage, which we, I don't know if we collectively have, but I know I personally have railed against in the past on this, on this podcast. Uh, that stage, while the Champs-Élysées is an amazing sprint finish stage, the stage itself is basically a throwaway and is kind of worthless and uh, drinking champagne along the route and all this. It's uh, not even a bike race. I don't know why they're doing it. It's a parade. There shouldn't even be a winner at that point. Uh, race is over, right? Mm-hmm. 2024, they're forced to move. Uh, away from Paris because of the uh, aforementioned events that are going to be happening there. So they're moving it to Nice. Nice. Nice, right? And um, they're going to end with a time trial. Yeah. That's so little guy, I, <laughs> I, 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 I feel heard. I feel respected. I feel validated. I am very curious to see how this goes, but I also, I know that you hate a sprint stages and I don't think you're a huge fan of that last stage on the champs, uh, no. just sort of in general. It's boring. Is it an upgrade in your mind or a downgrade to have a, the last stage be a time trial instead of the champs Elysees? It's, uh, yeah, you're right. I'm not a big time trial fan either. I'd say it's a, a very slight upgrade considering. Okay. There's a good chance with with uh, Pogue and uh, Remco at that point. Uh, we we've got some mm-hmm. good T tiers who could be close, who could make it interesting. It's I, as much as I don't like a time trial. There's a chance <laughs> that obviously it's happened in the past with Pogue. Uh-huh. Uh, time trial can actually alter the race as opposed to uh-huh. the last stage in Paris, which does nothing, but waste my time because I still feel compelled to watch it. Uh, yeah. And I can't, Guilty. Look, yeah. I can't look away, but I also feel uh, like I should be doing something else. You know, by that point, yes. after 21 days, I need, I yes. got things to do. I probably haven't taken the garbage out in 21 days. Like I need to clean up. Definitely not. You need to shave. You need to shower. Yeah, I have a shower. <laughs> I just yeah. need the damn race to finish so I can go use the bathroom. I've been holding it for a month. So. Yeah, Tour de France is a, is a challenge for everyone. Uh, I I agree. I think it's a, I, I think it's an upgrade. I mean, I I wasn't a big fan of the the final stage being a ceremonial anyway, uh, with a little basically. Uh, post-tour criterium uh, finish there at the tacked on the end of it. Um, but I get, you know, I've got a little soft spot for it, for the tradition. But I think, uh, I think the time trial could be fun. Uh, I think it could be, uh, yeah, like you said, I guess, w- what do you think, if you had to put a percentage, a chance that the top three change after that stage, Going, you know, from going into it to the to the final podium of the tour, what percent chance do you think that time trial could upset it? Uh, I don't, I don't know if they announced how long it is. If they did, I didn't pay attention, um, so I can't tell you uh, that kind of detail. So just uh, rough, you know, instinct. What's your gut feeling? Twenty percent. I mean, I, I hmm. let's all admit, uh, wouldn't it be great if it comes down to that time trial? And Roglic uh-huh. snatches it from Pogue, and we get a reversal. At this point, Roglic is probably like thirty-six or thirty. He's 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 right at the end. He's gonna retire. Yeah, and he snatches it back on the last day. It, the, everything comes full circle. If it's, a, I mean, they got hills there. They won't do it. You, you know, they'll do a boring <laughs> route and they'll just do it along the uh-huh. uh, along the coast. It'll look pretty, but it won't be, you know. But maybe, maybe. You know, I have done this. I've said this on the pod the last many years is that the penultimate stage or the ultimate stage sometimes of, of Perry Nice is mm-hmm. one of my favorite things of the year because it's bonkers and the lead gets thrown up and almost lost or whatever. It's always a very dramatic stage with hills and descents. Yeah. If that's 
the terrain they have to have the day before, so the penultimate stage. If stage 20 of the tour ends up basically being that last stage Into of Paris, yeah. then it will be really interesting because we'll have guys trying to save energy for this TT, but we'll also have what yeah, is a stage okay. that doesn't seem to be able to ever be normal and not have one GC guy <laughs> completely crack. And that's in a week-long yeah. race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that's oh. the case, if that's the lead-in, then I think, yeah, we're going to have a good race because we'll have we'll have something big happen the day before and we'll have maybe some guy who shot it. We'll have Mentees up to second on GC and then he'll blow uh-huh. up the TT. Um, oh, yeah. Th- so. This is an angle I had not considered and this is why I love asking you these questions um, because I was like, ah, yeah, maybe, you know, this 20% chance, I guess, yeah, like uh, that, that something shifts, but I had not considered the day before which will also be different. Interesting. Yeah. And that, and the tactics going in, like everybody goes for gusto on stage 20 because stage 21 is nothing. Yeah. Now it's different. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at these results, uh, from 2022 and you got, uh, Vanguard ahead of Pogaccia by two minutes and 43. And I don't know how long this time trial is going to be, but, uh, nobody's taking two forty three out of anybody. No. Um, and you got G seven minutes back, so it's unlikely uh, if it was similar to this year that a TT would change much. Well, one guy we haven't mentioned, and that's because we shouldn't mention him, but I'll mention him right now, is uh, Froome this week was sort of saying... Oh, uh, God, what? <laughs> where, where are you going with this? Well, as, as you mentioned G... And I uh-huh. saw uh, somewhere this week that uh, Froome basically said, hey, I, after seeing G on the podium, I thought to myself, this old dog's not done yet. Give me inspiration. <laughs> um, okay. So, wow. Uh, Froome says he's not done. He's got one more year on that contract. Uh, contract year. Uh, you've said oh, it yourself. Oh, sh- shoot. This That's is true. I, I think realistically, if Froome does not pull uh, a at least something out this year. There's, uh-huh. He's not getting another contract. I mean... He's not getting a contract uh, uh, even close to what he's getting paid, and that, right, that, yes. has, to, certainly, that has to give him certainly. some pause. So like maybe he maybe he has like a glimmer of hope this year, and somebody <laughs> wants to give him a contract. Yeah. But yeah. if he's making... He's like the highest paid writer in cycling right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone's he's like, this like, is worth it for five million bucks. I don't know if it's going to be worth it for a hundred grand or whatever. Yeah, if if, if, if Wanty is like, we'll sign you on a minimum contract. Yeah. <laughs> what, is he, what are you going to say? You're 37 years old. You just made a couple million dollars. And now someone's like, we'll give you 65,000. Yeah. You're, you're probably going to go, you know what? It's probably not worth it. I think I'm done. I think, oh, well, yeah, I could live better off uh, investing the the money I have in the bank account. You yeah, know? put the money, just put the money in a in a savings account, Froome. Yeah. You're probably better off. So I'm just putting that out there. I think Froome 2024, I'm going to mark it down right now, 2024 Tour de France, Froome Dog. Yeah, Froome, contract year. Oh, boy. Well, that is a... That is a bold prediction I did not see coming. Uh, usually, you know, we try to rough out an agenda as best we can on this show. And boy, is that not part of it? No, I am. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little discombobulated over here. I got to say, well, guy. we got to get one bold nonsense. Uh-huh. Thing uh-huh. in, uh, at, at least every, every podcast. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if you watched any of the actual racing that happened this weekend, but, uh, we had Wout back for the world cup oh on sunday that's exciting Wait, so, so you we, got your dream i got my pit of all three of the big boys so i don't know if you you probably i'm gonna tell you this because you if people didn't see yeah, it tell, what, let, for the listeners sake why don't yeah, you explain you. it to me as if i hadn't seen it as if you didn't watch any of it so that our listeners will be up to speed in case that they haven't seen it okay all I had time was to watch the men's stuff this week, so that's all I'm going to talk about. Is there's a super okay. prestige on s- this last Saturday? We had we had uh, no out yet, but we had Vanderpool and Pitters going at it, uh-huh. the big dogs. Uh, Vanderpool broke away on the first lap, and dragged Pitcock with him, and you thought, all right, we're in for a duel, you know, a nice duel here. Uh-huh. Um, and then Vanderpool went around a corner, 
a kind of nothing corner, but a transition from grass to pavement and fell, uh-huh. landed on his knee and did not look happy. And he kept racing though. He spent a couple laps sort of just like walking around, basically kind of like working <laughs> the knee out. Uh-huh. And then he starts riding. Uh, Pidcock rides away, rides solo to the finish. Um, Vanderpool ends up 13th after being okay. dead last for a while. So he worked. So, you, you know, you're like, all right, he's, he's just trying to keep the knee good. Cause in the post race, yeah. he's like, I'm going to be in Antwerp, Antwerp tomorrow. You know, I want to race tomorrow. So I'm just keeping the blood uh-huh. flowing. Uh-huh. So today you got the big show. You got Wout back. Vanderpool's there. Pidcock's there. How is this going to play out? Vanderpool still doesn't have UCI points. So he's a couple rows. Back. Oh, all right. He didn't race That's last exciting. year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Wout raced a bunch last year, so he has enough UCI points that he's straight up first row or he's second row, whatever. He's he's up there. Uh-huh. And so the race starts, and Vanderpool and Wout immediately basically are basically at the front. But Wout is driving the pace the whole first lap. You think, oh, man, Wout looks – Wout is like – Typical. But now this is I think you've forgotten what happened a few years ago. This well, is a standard Wout move. But this was a good standard Wout move. A couple years ago it wasn't because Vanderpool had a good start always. Vanderpool is a couple rows back, so it's uh-huh. a good tactic okay. of like put a little distance okay. in a yeah, make it okay. work for it. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. But Vanderpool does a Vanderpool and he just casually works his way up he's eighth place then you see the next corner he's seventh boom now he's fourth boom suddenly he moves up to the front uh he gets to the front and like like a blink of an eye like i i reach for my cup of tea to take uh-huh. a sip and then i look back and he suddenly pulled out a seven second gap and you're like what uh-huh. how did that happen wow it's, looks good yeah Vanderpool looks amazing he looks amazing right now and i don't know if he can hold this form i'm worried he's gonna blow up in the worlds like usual because wout looked really good but also looked like a little like it was his first cross race of the year and he ended up second vanderpool looks like he's he's just on fire right now and it's his like third race and he's still like i gotta improve the form a little bit and you're like yeah yeah so Last time we had a full season of Wout v. Vanderpool a couple years ago, yeah, I feel like it was always the move that Wout tried to crack him early by going as hard as he could for like two laps and see if he could shake Vanderpool or not. And he could not. Um, And then Vanderpool would move to the front and create a little gap and that would be that. And he would finish first and Wout would finish second. End of story sounds similar to this. I'm confident that if you go back a few years in this podcast annals, we can find an episode where you were like, oh man, Vanderpool looks so good, but I don't know if he can hold it to worlds. You know, like he's, Wout's like ramping up, but like, oh, he looks so good right now, but there's no way he can hold it. Narrator, he would. Yes. And uh, yes, he's yes, just yes. like that. He is just like I, that. It's freakish, but I think there's no need to worry. No need to fret about Vanderpool. I mean, I feel like I guess he could maybe lose 10% of his fitness and still be okay. <laughs> no, I mean, if he lost 10%, you're right. If he lost 10%, because uh, everybody else looks, you know, even guys who look good, like Michael Van Tornout's been really good this year, but he mm-hmm. start. He seems to start, he starts like, like he misses his pedal every time, and then it's like slowly. <laughs> oh, no. You know, slowly you see him moving up in the race, and it's like, man, you can't do that against Vanderpool. Like you started from no. the first row, man. You can't, you can't be fifteenth two corners in when Vanderpool's already picked up nine spots. Like it's just, yeah. it's over. It's game over right there. Even if he pulls back thirty seconds, like you can't, you burn that match. It's there's no way you're gonna stay with him. And same with yeah. Pidcock. Pidcock's been like starts really slowly, so like I don't see how they can beat him. In, in that sense. Well, yeah. Like, Lars tried the burn-off thing a couple days ago, too. Like, he he got to the front early, and Vanderpool was stuck back. Ten, yeah. Ten, ten people in traffic, and Lars went to the front and was, like, just hammering it. And you're like, oh, he's totally trying to, like, get the yeah, gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he'll totally <laughs> look back on a straightaway, see Vanderpool come, and he'll soft pedal, and he'll sit on that wheel, and he'll ride to second place. But instead, yeah. he just Vanderpool catches him, rides away, and then Lars rides to second place. It's not as exciting. But not as exciting. No. Yeah. 
Well, hopefully the uh, the gaps get smaller as we as everybody comes into fitness or loses their ten percent, as it were. Um, but it is good to see everybody riding. I think that's awesome. Uh, it makes cyclocross exciting to have yes. everybody there. I I will go back. I don't think I, I I think I made fun of you, uh, if I remember right, for <laughs> wanting these guys back when cyclocross was so exciting when you took that top tier off. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was really good. It was really good. It was. But I I think it can be good again or just as exciting uh, when all those guys are firing on all cylinders. So we'll look forward to that. I mean, as much as Vanderpool's super dominating, he's not winning by a minute. Like Pidcock won a yeah. huge gap, but he's still winning. I don't know. These other guys are still within 30 seconds, which mm. makes me feel like they have elevated the game a little bit from years past. All right. You know, I feel like Van Tornout, Sweek, those guys, they've brought it up. Um, I'm not giving Easer Beat. I'm not giving him credit yet. I'm still withholding <laughs> my judgment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he's, All right. He's, trying to warm my heart but i think that's fair that's fair the other exciting thing that happened this week um was something that i came across on instagram and i've got a little bit of a um six degrees of kevin bacon situation going on that i want to uh all right want to explain to you so you you know uh we used to be bike messengers together back in the day uh, oh, okay. in, in Minneapolis. I've heard of You're that. familiar with that. That's true. Um, I spent one year of my youth, uh, being a bike messenger in San Francisco, worked, uh, worked out there with all kinds of characters. I've heard of that. Um, a lot of, a lot of oddballs, a lot of, uh, goofball names, funny people, fun characters, people that I remember to this day. One of those people was a guy named Sean. Rode a, uh, I believe he rode a Chinelli track bike. It was beautiful. Um, That's some street cred. It was a red one. Yeah, super cool. Um, I might be wrong about that. That might have been somebody else, but whatever. Point of story is, he always had cool bikes. He's a cool guy. Nice guy. Anyway, uh, at some point, uh, Sean met this lady named Gina, who lived in New York, who was also a bike messenger at the time, who I knew through friends of friends somehow. And I was like, oh, cool. And they started hanging out. And they opened a bike shop eventually in, in New York. Uh, and this is a very accelerated history, but they opened a shop called King Cog that maybe some people have heard of. Or maybe she opened it and he just sort of came into, I don't remember the details. It doesn't matter. It was like a decade ago. Um, King Cog recently, um, through a friend of the pod, um, Tara Splavy, um, came into possession of a vintage subway ad uh that was posted up in the in some old subway tunnel uh that had been plastered over by a movie poster over a movie poster of a movie poster advertisement over advertise for decades uh well for yeah for decades um peeled away to find a quicksilver uh movie poster underneath okay. all of that very cool kevin featuring beautiful imagery of kevin bacon on there uh from like the classic know. messenger okay. film yeah. Um, and Tara finds this and it, it ends up basically getting taken down and framed and uh, ends up at King Cog, the bike shop, where awesome. Kevin Bacon himself traveled to <laughs> just earlier this week to lay eyes on this advertisement, autographed it, hug out at the bike shop. It's a very cool shop. Uh, awesome. There's also a, a, a King Cog in Oakland, California as well, where Sean lives still, but, um, so that's my six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I can connect myself six degrees to Kevin Bacon who showed up at a bike shop to see a picture of himself <laughs> earlier this week, which is amazing in its own right. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Cool. Then I'm, I'm one degree farther, but that's still yeah. pretty good. I'm a, little, I'm, I'm a lot closer than I knew. Yeah, I didn't do the math, um, so you might actually be six, and I maybe I'm five. I don't know. It depends on how I want to cut it. Um, yeah, but I thought that was really funny. Uh, a really cool story, just in general, of the finding of the poster and how it ended up the bike shop and all that. But then, also amazing is that somehow Kevin Bacon found out about it and was like, "I gotta go see this." <laughs> like, 
There's a photo with him on King Cog's uh, Instagram, just like hanging out with Kevin Bacon at the bike shop, that's super talking cool. about bikes. That's rad. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's got a he's got a he's got a he's got a search saved for for the hashtag Kevin Bacon six Quicksilver or something. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where you're like, I'm glad he remembers it. Because I remember it fondly, and I'm glad they do. It's kind of like Kevin Costner and American Flyers. Uh, if you haven't seen that film, it's uh, one of the best. We recap it uh, every 4th of July here on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a podcast within a podcast called Sunday Stroll. But, I, you know, you have to wonder, does Kevin Costner remember fondly uh, American Flyers? Or is it all, you know, glory and, and, uh, and all that that takes up his memory? I don't know. I'd like to think every time... Kevin Costner sees a specialized dealer. He goes in and just yaps mm-hmm. their ears off about making American <laughs> flyers. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so he's Probably. Just like, he's just like pulling the car over like every every town he drives through. Hey, check it out. There's a specialized dealer. I better get in there and talk. And they're like, oh, man, I don't know. Do you want to buy this sock to put on your head? He's like, no, no, no. They had mustaches back then. You're going to save a couple watts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Incredible. Well, that's a good, that's a nice, um, that's a good heartwarmer. It uh, is. A heartwarmer of a story. Um, I feel like we should probably head to the pre up before that. Let's just get the non-heartwarmers of the stories out of the way, which is, people probably heard that uh, one of my favorites, one of the podcast favorites, the, the old-timer of the Peloton, David Revelin, mm-hmm. uh, died this past week. He was hit by a tr- truck driver when he was out riding. Um it was terrible, terrible all around. Mm-hmm. Depressing story. Uh, guy had just retired. Um, but uh, yeah, better than I can summarize everything. If you go to go to the inner ring, wrote a really nice uh, obituary on there that gives you some background on uh, his life and his extremely long career. Um, I was thinking about this this week that he probably, and I didn't go through all the math, but like the number of riders that he beat in the nineties that then he beat their children <laughs> um, must be pretty long. Like I'm sure he raced Matthew Vanderpool and, 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 and Andre Vanderpool. Yeah. You know, um, I, on, on the inner ring, it was like, um, I forget there was somebody else who, who I didn't even think of. I didn't realize who was a pro now whose dad had raced in the nineties. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, one of Revelin's first early results was beating so-and-so for, you know, X result. And then 27 years later, he beat, he beat their son. Um, Bananas. At some race when he's like 47 years old. So there, yeah, few, it's very few it, if anyone rides that long to make that yeah. sort of thing happen. His, his career is storied it is ridiculously long, almost humorously. So, but he was still bringing results. So it's kind of, it's one of those things where you're just like, man, kudos to you. Yeah, you, you really lived it uh, every day, day in, day out for, for many, 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 many years. And uh, it is uh, very tragic to uh, to see him go uh, yeah. in, in that manner, um, which is, of course, always a risk when you're out on the bike and, and a big reason why even bike racers and people that you know, aren't commuting all the time should be concerned about, um, uh, you know, safety for cyclists and pedestrians and everyone else like get out and try and make the, make your, your area a better place for riding and make it safer for everybody. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else to say, but yeah, very, very tragic. Yeah. Oh, I suppose we talked so much. I mean, we talked a bit last week about infrastructure, which is highly on my mind. And then hearing about that, uh, it's certainly the sort of thing that, Mm-hmm. Yeah, gives you pause as your as at least it gave me pause all week to like back of my head. Not that it's not always in the back of my head, but you know that uh, you hear these things of like riders you followed, and then and I'm like, okay, well now I'm gonna go ride to work. <laughs> Feel very comfortable. Yeah. Um, though, well, last thing I'll say about Revlin, I think what made him stick out of my mind was that when we first got into cycling, mm-hmm. there was so little content I could consume initially. And in that like 2003, 2004 era, Reblin was still, he was banging out the big results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trouble. And 
what I said this before, one of the few things I could consume was VHS cassette tapes, nineties heroes <laughs> uh-huh. that were at the library. And, and one thing that was amazing to me, even then, you know, this was just 12, 12, 13 years post was that I'm, I'm like watching this guy who's in his mid thirties. And I'm sort of under the belief that that's when most people retire who's yeah. being in races and then I'm watching these these Jiro videos from the early 90s, and they're like, ah, David Revelin just turned pro. Uh, blah, blah. You know, and there's Phil Liggett like talking about how there's this young, young uh, 22 year old who's uh, got a lot of promise, and he's uh-huh. on fifth on a Jiro stage. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. And so watching those early videos, it was like very few of the people from those 90s videos, right? I would see in the racing I could ever consume when I could watch the tour right. on OLN or whatever, and then if I did see somebody whose name I remember from one of those nineties videos, it was like, they were like very much on domestique duty and, and not, not one of the, the winners. And so this was like the one like through line of my, like, uh, as I've said, the weird way I, I could only consume cycling was to like learn a lot about a very select few races from the (laughs) nineties and have this Uh very small sliver of knowledge. As I also tried to gain this 2004 era knowledge from the, what you could gleam off of how not uh informative uh online publications and getting velo news once every month was at that point right yeah. to actually knowing anything about cycling to like really understand what euro cycling was about at all not like now not like how i know everything now like, yeah like an obviously now. so he was this through line in a weird way that i could like i could see some early uh glimpse of and i don't know so in that way he stuck with me in a different way and then mm-hmm. he was a through line consistently beyond any until yeah until else. 2022 so, um yeah an incredible career and that's a that's a good way to to summarize it you know it's just like he's been love him or hate him like i agree whatever it doesn't matter like he's just been a constant in bike racing for my entire enjoyment of the sport and before like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just a, just a, you know, a huge personality, I guess, or part of the, uh, scene to, yeah. to, to lose. So, uh, you know, all, all due respect to him. And on that note, I think we should, uh, move along to the pre lap. We'll let Michael Matthews off the hook this week and just, uh, I think Tim has his number. I don't have it. Um, yes. we'll, uh, we'll just move into pre lap uh, ad hoc here. Hi, I'm Nathan Shabrak, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right. Here we are in the pre lap, little guy, this week. We are, of course, leading out for the wide angle podium network of shows that we are a part of here on the slow ride podcast. The wide angle podium network is uh, a network of all kinds of cycling shows, podcasts, and, uh, publications that, uh, bring you the news that you need. And, uh, if you enjoy the slow ride podcast, you can support us via the network, uh, by signing up to become a recurring member, um, uh, at wideanglepodium.com and uh, sign up there. You can support our show. You can support other shows on the network uh, like Cycle Cross Radio. Um, Bill and Michael and Zach will be talking a lot, I'm sure, uh, about the recent Vanderpool Wout uh, Pidcock um, cocktail that we have going on in Cycle Cross right now. And I'm sure they'll have maybe more astute in-depth things to say than than little guy can pull out (laughs) maybe yeah probably most definitely so yeah go go see what they have to say and then uh write in and tell me why i'm wrong right yeah definitely write in and tell little guy voice slow ride podcast at gmail.com where all your emails are gratefully received especially ones that are critical of little guy um We've also got uh, shows like Rodeo on the network uh, talking about the gravel scene, which has been uh, lighting up lately uh, with great episodes and Nowhere Fast as well, covering esports uh, side of things and Zwift racing and how to get the most out of that. Um, really 
interesting stuff going on there. I, I don't do a lot of that, but I always find some really compelling content in those episodes. So that is that is one to check out, uh, along with many other great shows on the network. So that is uh, that is our pitch for the week here on the on the Premlap. Uh, check out Wide Angle Podium. Check out some of the shows if you haven't listened to them already, and uh, if you can. Uh, if you feel so inclined, become a supporter of, of our show and any others that you enjoy on the network. And with that, yeah. let's yeah. get back to the show. Hi, I'm Jim Champion and Master Meisen, and I don't listen to your podcast. handful of emails i think we should go through this week uh excellent looking through there's one i think we should save maybe maybe we should save for next week uh calls for some serious dad advice and i think i think we should Uh, table that one till tim's here to help me tim needs to get a hand on the ball on that one yeah i think i think so um but we got we got a handful here so uh we got one from kevin dolan uh long time writer long time Uh listener yeah he writes uh Big S design team, another item I didn't realize I didn't need. And uh, he's got a link uh, to a specialized uh, anorak. Is that how you're supposed to pronounce it? Anorak? Sure, yeah. Thermal anorak. It's it's a thermal anorak. It's it's basically a puffy coat, but it doesn't have sleeves. So... You can Google this one up, and I suggest that you do if you're sitting in in front of a computer device of any kind. There's a specialized collabo uh, with uh, Fall Raven, uh, the very hip and popular uh, kind of outdoorsy European North Face kind of brand. Um, Little backpacks, teeny backpacks. Yeah, yeah, they make little backpacks. They get the little... Uh, patch on them you know it if you've seen you've it. you've seen it yeah you've seen it. um but they came out with a, a collabo that uh that has this thermo anorak uh sort of a pullover puffy coat pullover situation mm-hmm. but it's short-sleeved and they're trying to tell me that i need this for my cold weather adventure rides little guy and for your bike packing trips i all. believe them because specialized would not lie to me about this and i would no. i what i don't understand is why I know it's true, but I need you to tell me why I do need this. Uh, the article that Kevin said <laughs> that sent us uh, notes that it, it it could double as a pillow on your bike camping trips. Okay. Which makes sense, except for I still don't see why it doesn't have arms. Uh, or sleeves, I'm sorry, it has arms. A jacket um, with short sleeves that's not a vest is a confusing piece of clothing. I will just it, put that out there. I mean... If if you were just dropped onto Earth at this point and somebody uh-huh. told you about vests, you'd maybe be like, "Well, why'd you do that?" But this no. is—we've all come to understand vests. We've all come to understand short sleeve shirts, but we don't wear like thick short sleeve shirts, and that's effectively what this is—is is, uh-huh. is, is a warm short sleeve shirt. I don't get it. Uh, if they want to give me a free one, I'll tell them if it's wrong. But I'm pretty sure they're wrong. <laughs> I, looking at it, I I think to myself, if I found this at a thrift store, I guess I'd buy it and sew some sleeves on it. If it yeah. was like two dollars, so you could find a puffy coat at a thrift store. Um, if you were to on. head out to your local Savers or Goodwill or whatever and pick one up, would you be compelled to cut the sleeves off halfway and uh, use it as a cycling piece of cycling apparel? think i would be but now i guess i kind of want to buy like set myself a budget of seven dollars okay if i could buy a ratty puffy coat Uh and cut and hem off the sleeves Uh just like this thing yes maybe i'll wear it around the house for a few days and see if it it's essential i want to report back on this all right i think this is something we did we've got budget for this seven dollars he said i think we can cover this uh, the podcast is going to cover this for you um, because the specialized uh, X Fall Raven uh, Thermal Anorandock uh, selling for approximately, it is a conversion from pounds, uh, approximately 240 US dollars, little guy. So 
if you can do this for 10% of that cost or under, uh, I'm going to be quite impressed. Okay. I will, um, I will, I will hit a couple thrift stores this week and Uh I will see what I can get and I will cut the sleeves off and I will start wearing it whenever I can. (laughs) See, the problem is it's actually winter here, so I don't really know when. It's the perfect time for a thermal anorak. That's what they want to tell me with no sleeves. Well, you know, you're going to wear your normal thermal jersey that you'd be wearing, but maybe you need a little more core temperature or something. I don't know. I don't know how it works. You're going to figure this out. You're our man on the ground. The thing, people need to look at this. The thing about this is not just short sleeved, uh-huh. um, you know, they're, they're, they're cut at the elbow, but they're also, it's a baggy fit. So yes. It's not like it's <laughs> tight. And or like it's like a, like a polo uh, that has sort of a, no, it's like a poncho. Cinch. It's like a puffy poncho. It's basically a poncho. But just looking at it, the middle looks so cozy that when I look at it, I I can't imagine this model's arms aren't cold. I can see the draft uh-huh. up those sleeves. Uh huh. <laughs> like I've I, I mean I'm I'm literally wearing a sweater vest right now, but it yeah. is warm because it is it is tight enough that uh-huh. it's not like billowy and 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 where it does keep me warm it doesn't also allow well i i believe your sweater vest theories here little guy but i'm i what i am interested in is a an an, an, a thermal anorak uh so i am very very excited to to, the the uk folks (laughs) yeah how we're mispronouncing this uh yeah Uh, there's a high likelihood i have no idea um it's not a part of the wardrobe that I have currently, so. No, it's not a word that we use here. This is a fantastic Pull email, over. though. I I love being uh, alerted to strange cycling-related uh, gear, and this is A+. Plus. Oh, it's it's A+. Plus. All right, I will get on the homemade version of this. I kind of like this new segment we've created where we find stupid uh-huh. kit, and then, I, I mean, I, I, I want to keep this going. If this one works out, I want to... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Expensive dumb kit. I wanna. I wanna do well, homemade versions and then test them. And then if exactly. the homemade version works out even a little bit, I know that maybe the two hundred dollar one made by a professional might be might, okay. Well, yeah. And okay. here's the thing: it's specialized. They're not gonna send us one of these. There's no way. No. So we're never gonna be able to test it. So what can we do? We can make our own and see if the idea, the foundation of that that they're basing this on, even makes sense. Uh, and we will report this to the people before they spend 240 bucks or whatever, 195 pounds in the UK on this, um, on this product, you know, uh, I don't know. I'll try, I really will try to, um, get on this this week. Cause I know we got, we got Christmas coming and people want an update. Cause I know. Right. Oh, that, I'm sure this is on a lot of people's wish lists and people need uh, to know. Well, <laughs> yeah. They, Cause you don't want to get somebody, um, a non-warm anorak. Right. All right. <laughs> the next email uh, went from Gregory Afsa. I probably pronounced your name wrong. I hope I did it right. Uh, Racing Major Taylor. Hey, guys. Love the Universal Cyclist segment from episode 416 and was stoked at the Major Taylor call out. Coincidentally, I'm hosting an open sprints event at my bike shop called Major or called Racing Major Taylor on December 10th. Uh, he's gotten a link. I'll throw the link in the show notes. He said, our shop is in... Worcester, Worcester. I used my uh-huh. I'm supposed to know that. You uh, nailed it. No, that was perfect. And all proceeds are being donated to the Major Taylor Association. If you or any of your listeners are interested in re- living basement bar roller racing nights or of lore, here's your chance. Uh, we're running uh, one fourth and one half mile races. For reference, I've included Major Taylor's times below. Oh, uh, too fast. Oh. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, too fast. I can't do that. Um, he asks, though, too, did the Slow Ride host ever participate in a roller race? And if so, mm-hmm. who won? Uh, always appreciate seeing the show and the feed. Keep up the great work. Greg, thank you. Um, I did a few roller... I did so, jump up for one or two times when they were here. Yeah, I know Tim was involved in promotion yeah. of the cold sprints that were going on over the winter in Minneapolis for a few years. I don't know if he participated. I certainly did not because that is in the middle of my off season, which was <laughs> quite long. 
<laughs> at the Quite time. Um, I did it. I did. I did do them. I don't remember if I won any of them. I might I just, have like yeah. advanced one round at most, but I I I don't know. I don't want to ruin people's image of me. But all my bike racing results resulted from drafting. Yes, uh, yeah. going up hills or just going around corners. Right. Better occasionally. Never you from are, raw power. Never you are one of those uh, cyclists that ref- uh, relies on efficiency to uh, yes. to gain results. Yeah. Uh, my I am the only host of the Slow Ride Podcast who did not advance out of the Cat 3s on the track. And that yeah. will show you uh, <laughs> that my power numbers were never anything uh, to, to write home about. And so a straight-up roller race was not my thing. So if I raced either you or Tim, I guarantee you guys blew my doors off. Uh, to be a little crafty to get the win. That's probably true. I don't recall ever doing it, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I did, but I probably did beat you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eh, we'll just chalk thing. it up to history that uh, I beat you and Tim was the promoter, so he did not uh, participate, yeah. which makes me the winner, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, I won't be making it to Worcester, but I'll throw it Wist- in the show notes. Worcester. 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 Worcester? It doesn't even Worcester. look like that. How do you pronounce it that way? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, but it sounds like a great event, and uh, and uh, proceeds are going to a good place. And I would like to know if I could beat Major Taylor's times from over 100 years ago. Um, well, I guess I know I can't. But it would be interesting to see how close I could get, and I, I know yeah. I can't beat them. I still Probably. haven't tried the Ghana thing either. Speaking of like trying to trying to, oh my God. Trying to trying to live in the shadow of the greats. I haven't even tried the two seconds of Ghana thing that we yeah. talked about months ago. Mostly because um, self-preservation, and I don't need to have a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I I am curious how long I can hold that speed. It's not going to be an hour, I'll tell you that. Um, I like the idea of like uh, world record time from 120 years ago. Um, A couple more emails. Uh, Okay. Derek uh, Ubink. And see, I hate... I mispr- I'm so sorry I mispronounce everyone's name. I, I think I make fun of Tim so much, but then when I have to do it, I feel I feel bad. I feel like a total jerk. Story. I feel like we've set an expectation on this show that uh, it's more fun to hear how badly we do it than it is <laughs> that we get it yeah. right. So I, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Just shoot your shot and roll with yeah. it. Pretend it's right. Nobody can argue with you. Maybe they're wrong. <laughs> Derek, Derek's probably, well, Derek's <laughs> wrong about some things in his email. Uh-oh. Derek writes, in regards to poor equipment choices. Uh, Dear Slow Ride Podcast, apologies for the lateness of the email. I am catching up on my podcast backlog and have just finished episode 415. Okay. Yeah, don't let it happen again, Derek. Uh, Stay current. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We don't ask for much around here. (laughs) Day of listening. That's all we ask. Uh Day of release. Um, He writes, while there have been many a subject broached on the show that I have found myself disagreeing with over the years, none have given me cause to write in so much as little guy's latest op-ed on fingerless gloves. Well done, little Finger, guy. <laughs> well, it was about fingerless gloves and fingered gloves. I'm, but we'll get to this. Okay. Not only is uh, this hypothesis formed purely on the baseless conjecture and wildly loose correlation that since some Euros wear them, they must be better. Mostly uh-huh. they're just gross. There's nothing more <laughs> off-putting than looking over at the terrified Fred lined up next to you, death-gripping his bars with fat sausage fingers bursting through unfinished bargain bin fingerless rags being passed off as hand protection. <laughs> it's gross. It's negligent. It's not okay. Please stop encouraging irresponsible behavior amongst your lo- loyal Franks and Freds. You guys are better than that. Uh, cat, ooh, Cat 2 Cross Racer for Life. Derek. So... Okay, I'm, I'm very funny. I'm curious which uh, parts of this email you thought he was incorrect in, because well, it's a, it's a pretty solid argument. I'm no. as I'm reading this, <laughs> his argument is solid. And the, the looking at the sausage fingers is hilarious. I think uh, Tim also posted our Instagram a shot of him riding short sleeve with yeah, he certainly gloves is out. Which, Trolling you specifically, yeah. He's out trolling me specifically. And and I think people were under the assumption that I'm super pro, uh, uh, like, the half-finger cycling gloves. And I'm not. Um, this is true. I do know this. I'm just, I, you probably seen me wear them once, uh, like, at a mountain bike race or something, because I was going to get blisters otherwise. Right. I am very pro no gloves. Yes. But 
so I, I don't want people to think, I just think I'm pro sausage fingers. I'm not, I think they're silly and I never wear them myself. And, but I am less against them than I am against short sleeve and full fingered gloves. Uh-huh. That's where my <laughs> real gripe lies is the short sleeved and the full fingered gloves. Uh-huh. Cycle cross. Do it in your enduro mountain biking or whatever. That's where I expect it. Okay. And it, and again, this is just one person who, who has a stupid opinion. Me, not Derek. Yeah. <laughs> so two stupid opinions from two stupid people is what you're trying just, to say. It just, it just grosses me out, but it's just <laughs> different. But I'm not uh-huh. pro. I'm not pro half finger gloves. I don't care about them. I, so. I want, Here's no the thing gloves. is I, I am pro half finger gloves. I've wore them pretty much religiously, even though I like you prefer the feel of, uh, no gloves. Um, I like the ride handling. I trust myself more, uh, not having that weird pad in between me and the, the yeah, brake levers exactly. and all that, exactly. um, squishing around or whatever. But you know, when they, when they're part of the kit, they're part of the ensemble. They're custom. They match everything. Like, ah, oh, it just completes the look, little guy. And you know yeah. me, I am a sucker for completing the look. And so I would have to wear them, even though it was not my first choice. And, uh, you know, some of us are out there bearing that cross uh, upon our backs, little guy. And uh, uh, so you can't judge us all. And, uh, you know, to the listeners, I say, hey, man, I don't know your reasoning for, for wearing long finger gloves or short finger gloves or no gloves. And I say, you do you. Yeah. And I'll I, just be like, Oof, day, I wouldn't do that, but you can. It's fine. <laughs> I, you, you, I think uh, you could say that somebody forced your hand, huh? Yes, indeed. Okay. It was me because I designed it the kit. It was kids. you because you designed the kit. <laughs> oh. the, the last time I think I actually wore short uh, fi- any like short little half finger cycling gloves was uh-huh. when I wore the Movie Star kit that that Tim got me a few years back, and yeah. I, I showed up to like one of the Tuesday night mountain bike races in Minnesota. Good time to have the gloves, and I was wearing the full Movie Star kit. Jesus, and little gloves, guy! And I was at like, a mountain bike oh, race, you oh, showed yeah. up in a full. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. that tracks. That makes sense. All right. I don't do any other races. <laughs> wow. I bet there were some people there like, look at this absolute clown. I mean, every time I've showed up to a mountain bike race in the last four or five years, people yeah. are like, it's not retro night. <laughs> rightfully so, little guy. Rightfully so. Hey, my bike's got carbon. All right. We got one more email. Okay. Uh, I forget out here. All right. Uh, Frank, Frank Cundiff writes, boys, I'm sitting here building my Lego globe. Sidebar, if you're an engineer type, this set is awesome. It does look cool. He's building a Lego globe. It looks very confusing. All right. Um, He said, I'm still riding, but we're also big Lego people here now. Uh, He said that he's extending an invite to all of us to go down to the Project Echelon Grand Fondo on March 12th. Uh I'm assuming that's in uh, the great city of Tucson. It's in Tucson? Yes. All right. I don't have any more deets about that. That does sound great. We'll get well, yeah. We'll get some details on this. Um, sounds fun. Anyway, right, the, any rates, anyways, hope all is well. Last question: Why are you guys not producing Slow Ride Podcast eighty style BMX numbers? That's a great question, and that's a very good question. Because after how much Tim hyped them last week and hyped the prices that they're going for, yeah. So it, really it brings in this market brings a few things to mind. A, it seems like it would be printing money at this point. Um, I don't know where you get a number plate printed, but uh, I guess I call up the Federal Reserve and just have them, you know, print me out a few yeah. serialized and everything, um, embossed or whatever. But also, um, do you think this was a tactic by Tim to drive up the prices? So he, you think he's already got some on order, and he's just like paid the lowball price and now he's like if i hype this up on the podcast maybe bid them up on ebay a little bit so people believe it we can sell these for a mint this sounds like a tim's a, a, a tim tactic kind of a strategy a business plan mm-hmm. it it's could pretty be. savvy tim tim's a tim's a big uh i mean we all know tim tim can really talk up folks so i can see tim down at the bmx park talking some uh, <laughs> 
uh-huh. some kids who rolled up on their uh, their parents' old bike out of the number plate on the bike for five bucks for a, mount, a Mountain Dew Kickstarter or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, before you know it, that stuff's on eBay. He's making big money. Yeah, did we check the seller names on all these? How many of these are uh, is Tim selling that he got off uh, like, <laughs> kids' like bikes at the Wolfie BMX park? 63. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kid brings the bike home. Dad's like, wait a second, where's my 1983 state champion number plate? What happened? Yeah. It's uh, part of the bike. Kid's got a Snickers in the back pocket. I was like, oh, I don't know. Must have fell off. Ugh. Scam. Could be. This is a good uh, idea. Know. This is a good idea, we though. Should, I I'd be into this. We should have number plates. Well, uh, with with the rise of gravel, oh. shouldn't, shouldn't we be going uh, similarly? Uh, at least you can have sort of a number plate that you can affix your, uh, you know, when you're just out riding, it's got something on there, and then you can uh, you can affix your uh, your race does, number to it somehow. Does the number plate go? behind the handlebar bag or attached to the handlebar bag, little guy? Now, see, this is a good question because when I did Schwam again, I had a handlebar bag, which I always have on the bike these days. And I and I realized as I pulled up, I had to put the um, I had to put the number on there. Yeah. And that's awkward. It's very awkward. Now, uh, Caitlin did a very smart thing. Okay. She was getting my bike out and putting my bag on and getting everything ready while I was – Underneath the van again, trying to... <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh-huh. As uh, I told. So I was stressing out doing that. She got my bike all prepped, got my bottles on it and all that stuff. She put my handlebar bag on backwards. Okay. So that it opened toward me. Easier access. Very... It was a very good idea. So the number the number was on the front. And then, yeah, I could still get my hand in there and, and get out get out that uh, frozen cliff bar. Yeah. Um, in the race, it was genius. I don't think I would have thought of it. If I had had the time to casually get ready for the race, I probably would have put it on and then the normal way and then struggled in the race to get right. out any food and crap right. even worse than I did. So right. it was it was, it was was a bonus that she thought of it. So yeah, so, you put it on over and you put your handlebar bag on backwards. But I think this is to be a component that uh, people making bar bags for gravel racing should be thinking of is like, make you got to make the bag so it works both ways because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've got that number on there, you you, you need to have a way to access your, your yeah. snacks, your CBD gummies. I don't know how you get to the race without those. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, a strong point you raise. Got yeah. <laughs> easy access to the stash. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, little guy, I think we've done it. We've crushed another episode of the Soul Ride Podcast, even without Tim. Uh, with us this week. And, uh, uh, you know, um, we just want to say thanks again to all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Uh, We appreciate you every single week uh, that we are here. Uh, If you want to get your emails read on the Slow Ride Podcast, email us at theslowridepodcast at gmail.com or contact us on the social media sites at the Slow Ride Pod. our intro and outro music is uh, by uh, um, a friend of the podcast, BK1, Rhyme Series Entertainment. Um, and I think that is all the alkylates we need to do. Uh, I think so. Is, is that correct? I think so. That's correct. I've been Matt in Minneapolis. And I've been Spencer in Holyoke, Massachusetts, reminding you on behalf of Tim to always wave at all your fellow cyclists who you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. episode that was amazing when that one person said that thing and then the other person totally like set them straight oh man that was great i'm gonna have to go back and listen to that again but hey since i have your attention now hello cyclocross friends new friends and old friends and soon-to-be friends my name's bill i host a, another show on the wide angle podium 
podcast network. It's called Cyclocross Radio. And we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon to be stars in cyclocross. We also have a panel discussion we call the Media Pit with my buddy Zach and Michael, where we go over all of the new rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to wideanglepodium.com, become a member there, then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Cyclocross Radio. Do it. Do it now. Cyclocross friends.